when God calls Israel out of Egypt. He comes and he brings these plagues upon Egypt and he and he calls Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to take Israel out of this place and I want you to go to the wilderness and I want you to celebrate a feast unto me there. You see, and in this picture, in this story, we see God's pattern of how he calls out us, his people, out of the world as represented by Egypt. You see, the very word Egypt, the name Egypt, it actually means black land in its original tongue. See, because it was named after the Nile River that made the ground as black as it is in Egypt. And so God it's actually it's interesting because he's calling Israel out of this land that is black, the black land, the dark land, if you will. And he calls them into a place flying with milk and honey, a place that would ultimately be called Israel, as it is known today. And see, that name Israel actually means to wrestle with God. And so he calls him out of this black land, the dark place, to a place that is called wrestle with God. So the way we get there, the way we get to the finish line is by wrestling with God. And see that wrestle with God. It's not about a, a, a work like I have to work, work, work so that I can get to God. Or it's, it's, it's not about working for a salvation. Or it is simply the fact that we come to God and we say, Lord, we will not let your garment go until you make us more like you. God, we will wrestle with you. We will hold on to you. you but you must make us like you. God, you must come and change our nature into your image so that we can walk like you and be representation and representation of you in this dark land around us. Because see, God could have just taken Israel out of Egypt and placed him right there in straight line. Here's the way. Go this way. They get to the promised land and there they're there. No, no, no. But that's not what they did. God took them a long way around. They were 40 years in that desert. Why? Because it's not enough to just take Israel or his people out of Egypt. He also now needs to take Egypt out of them. And similarly today, God calls us out of this dark land, this dark world we are in. But it's not about us just leaving this dark world. Now he wants to come to us and he wants to take the darkness out of us. You see, he wants to make us more like him. But for that to happen, we need to be separated from this world. We need to be set apart. We need to be made different from this world. First, with a step of simply stepping away and saying, I'm going to separate myself from this world. But then secondly, Allowing God to cleanse us inside and removing all the remnant of things of this world, the things that are left, the darkness that's left, all of the bad cultural things we still hold on to, the bad behavior, whatever. He wants, he now needs to remove that from us. And see, in this story of, of Egypt and Pharaoh and the plagues that come on Egypt, God actually lays out the pattern of how he does this. He lays out the pattern of how, what is the cleansing process. And I want to submit to you that that way back two, three, four thousand years ago, when all this stuff took place, 
it actually points to 2000 years ago to Yeshua, what he did there. And it also points to today, this present generation and into the future where we are going. Because see what has been will be and what will be will be again. And today I want to show you how this story of Egypt is a prophetic picture into the end, into end times prophecy. It is all it is a picture. It is a story that is today here given to us to equip us to make us more like Yeshua to prepare us for the coming age. So the plagues that come upon Egypt or the flies, the frogs, the locusts, the darkness that covers the earth and many plagues come upon Pharaoh. But there is one that it ends with. We see the last plague is the killing of the firstborn, where all the firstborn from the peasant to the to Pharaoh himself, all the firstborn who are not of God, who, who don't say that they want to be covered by the blood, all of them die. And that's what we want to be focusing on in this teaching, because that last plague is where it, what everything builds up to. It is the point. And Moses warns Pharaoh about this firstborn death, this last plague that's going to come. And he tells us here in Exodus 11, and Moses said, thus said Yahweh about midnight. I am going out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the hand mill and all the firstborn of cattle. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as has never been or ever shall be again. But against any of the children of Israel, no dog shall move its tongue against man or against beast, so that you know that Yahweh makes distinction between Israel and Egypt. And so as Moses lays out these conditions, these things, he tells Pharaoh, this is what is happening. There's coming a firstborn plague. And then he lays out a few characteristics about this plague. He says that this will be something that Egypt has never experienced and will never experience again. He says that this will happen to every firstborn who does not follow God and the instructions that God gives. He says that it will happen at the way late hours of the night when most will not expect it. And then he also says that Israel will be protected. And when we look at all these descriptions of of what this plague is going to be, it is incredibly similar to how God has prophesied how the end times will be. He says, for example, in 1 Thessalonians 5, that it will come at an unexpected time. Now, brothers, as the times and the seasons you do not need to be written to, for you yourselves know very well that the day of Yahweh comes as a thief in the night. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then we should not sleep as others do, but we should be watch and be sober. He says, 
guys, you guys, we don't need to write to you this season because you know the times and the seasons. The word for season is the word moedim. It's the same word used for appointed time or festival. You remember what God called Moses to do initially? He said, Moses, I want you guys to go into the wilderness to celebrate a festival, a feast unto me. So the whole point of Israel actually leaving Egypt is to celebrate a season, a festival, a moedim. And that's why he's saying in 1 Thessalonians 5, you guys, we don't need to write to you the festival, the season. Because you know when these things will take place. And similarly, that is the same thing. Because when we look at when this, what happened after they left Egypt, they went to celebrate the festival of Passover. This is the whole point of Passover is to celebrate how God delivered them by the blood on the doorposts out of Egypt. And so Similarly, now that Passover has been fulfilled in many ways today, we see it fulfilled there and then fulfilled with Yeshua because he is the Passover lamb. He is the perfect lamb. But we now see we have unfulfilled feasts. We have, for example, the feast of trumpets, where in Revelation we read that the coming of the Lord will be as a blowing of trumpets. And so in the same way, God is saying, I don't need to write to you the Moedim, this season, the appointed time, because you're supposed to know them and be celebrating them. You're supposed to be knowing that is the Feast of Trumpets. It's coming up. We know that this is going to be the season where God is going to be coming back, for example. And so he says that, you know, that the coming of the Lord will be as a thief in the night. Just like when Moses told Pharaoh, it will be at, in the middle of the night. It will be at a time when basically no, 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 no one in Egypt will, about, will just about be expecting this. It will come as a thief in the night where this death angel will come to take them. And so then, but then he goes on and he says, but you see, this is the part we never read. He says, but. You who are walking in the light, you who know the seasons, who are keeping the festivals of God, because that's what the Moedims are, the seasons are. You who know his prophetic calendar year by year, who know when these things will take place on the timeline, you will know the season. You may not know the day or the hour, but you'll know the season because we know the festivals are given to us and appointed to us by the moon. So no one can really determine exactly when the moon will be sighted. But we know this season. We know it's going to be today, tomorrow, sometime in the next week. It's going to happen soon. And so he says, you who are in the light, you who know the season, this day will not overtake you as a thief, as it will those who are still in Egypt. Now, I want to ask you the question today. Are you still living in Egypt? Because, see, you can be a believer. You can say, oh, I follow God. I, I want to do all the Lord. I, I love you. I love you, Jesus. But if you don't put the blood on your doorpost, the, the deaf angel is entering your home and is taking the firstborn. You see, it wasn't just about saying, God, I love you. God, I want to follow you. It was about heeding the instruction of God and following what he has declared in that day. And today he has laid out many instructions for us. And so our obedience to his law, his instructions is the evidence that shows that the blood is on our doorpost and the death angel cannot enter our home. 
And so this is why God says, watch, be awake, do not sleep. Do not be like the virgins who weren't ready. You need to be ready. You need to be continually filling your lamp. You need to be preparing. But how will you prepare if you do not even know the season? You see, this is one of the mysteries, the keys that God is unveiling in this day. And that is that He is coming to reveal His feasts yet again to His people. He is coming to show them and teach them His seasons, His Moedim, His appointed times. So that when He comes back again very soon, they will know the season. They will not be sleeping. They will not, it will not overtake them like a thief in the night. Because they will know the time of the year that this thing, these things will take place. And then the next uh, characteristic that Moses gives this plague that's coming upon uh, Egypt, he tells Pharaoh that this will be a, a something that Egypt has never experienced and will never experience again. That's how bad it will be. But that's the same thing again that we read about the prophecy of the end time that's coming. We read in Matthew 24 verse 21. Yeshua says, For then there will be great distress, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And so we see that now not only Egypt, but this is going to be something that the world has never experienced and will never experience again. That is how bad this plague, this final coming of Yeshua, this, of Jesus when he comes back, will be. Yet again. And then the last characteristic he gives is he says that Israel will receive protection. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9. Because God did not appoint us to wrath. But to obtain deliverance through our master Yeshua the Messiah. You see God will protect his people. Just like Israel was protected from the last plague. Their firstborn was spared. Even though they were in in the midst of Egypt. They were saved from the plagues that were appointed for Egypt. And even though they had some of Egypt still in them. Because they were still living in Egypt. they They were still in the culture. They weren't perfect yet. But their hearts were inclined towards Him. You see, brothers and sisters, we oftentimes think we need to get perfect. We need to get clean, like perfect before God, before He can even look at saving us or, or saving us from any plague. No, Israel only had a heart inclined towards Him and said, Father, we need You. God, we need You to come and, and give us salvation. Lord, we take this blood, O oh Lord, and we put the blood on our doorpost because we believe that You can save. We have faith in You. And so our action proves our faith in you the same way we are people of unclean lips we are people with many mistakes many faults we make mistakes every day we sin often and frequently but God asks us you know what you need to do for salvation you need to simply take the blood of the lamb you need to come and take the blood of the lamb and put it on your door the door of your house your temple, and death will never enter. But see, the question is, will you put the blood on your door? God asks of you, will you put the blood on your door? So when God comes to Moses, he he tells him, okay, Moses, this is what you guys need to do. First off, you need to understand this is the calendar 
you have now. You're no longer going to be on the Egyptian calendar. Remember, they had an Egyptian calendar. They were on that calendar. They were on the calendar of the world, if you will. But God says, okay, first things first. We're going to get rid of that calendar. And I'm giving you a brand new calendar. And he tells him the following. He says in Exodus 12, verse 1. And Yahweh spoke to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This new moon is the beginning of new moons for you. It is the first new moon of the year for you. He is, he's basically telling them, Okay, this is the first new moon. This is the first month, if you will. Now, we're starting right here today. This is the first month. Brand new calendar. And he tells them the following. Speak to the congregation of Israel. On the 10th day of this new moon, each one of them is to take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it, according to the number of the beings. According to each man's need, you make your count for the lamb. Let the lamb be a perfect one, a year old, and take it from the sheep or from the goats. So he starts off and saying on the 10th day of this first month, I need you guys to take a lamb. I need you to take a lamb that, or, uh, uh, that is perfect, one that is and doesn't have a blemish. In other words, the best of the best of the best that you have, you take. And you take this lamb and you divide it up and you, you make sure that it's going to be enough for your family. But then he goes on and says, but if this is too much for your family, you will actually go next door and you will share a lamb with your neighbor. You see, this lamb represents Yeshua, Jesus. He is the perfect lamb. You see, everything we're about to actually read just points to Jesus, to Yeshua, what he would do. You see, they were celebrating a festival unto Jesus, unto Yeshua, without even realizing it. Because every aspect of this festival of Passover is about him. In fact, on later, on the day of Yeshua, when Jesus was dwelling on the earth, he was actually crucified at the festival of Passover as well. And so we see that he is the perfect lamb. But then it's interesting because God says you are to, like I said, share this with the household next to you, your neighbor, if this is too much for your house. It's, it's a picture of discipleship. It's a picture of how God says you need to share Jesus. You need to share Yeshua with your neighbor. You see, God commands us, I command you to love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, everything you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, there is this picture of how are we to love them best. It is by giving them Yeshua. It is by coming to them and saying, Neighbor, do you know about Messiah? Do you know about what he did for you? Do you have a lamb for your household? Do you have the blood on your doorpost or is it open? You see, everyone has a door to their house. But the question is, is there blood on it or not? If there is no blood, it is an open door for the kingdom of darkness, for demons, for Satan and for the spirit of death. But if there is blood on the door, 
there, none of that can come through because it is sealed with the blood of the Lamb. The only thing that can ever come through that door is life, is freedom, is deliverance. And so see, we are called, even here in Israel, in the Exodus, the, one of the first commandments they were ever given by God is to share the gospel, is to proclaim the freedom that is at hand and to let not anyone perish. You see, it is the heart and the will of God for everyone to come to repentance and for no one to perish. That is why he gave this to everyone. That is why he opened up the door. He said, this is even Egyptians, even if you were an Egyptian, even if you were a pagan, even if you were a a witch or in witchcraft or whoever you are, if you want me, is what he said, come and put the blood on your door. And because you place faith in me to save you, I will deliver you and I will take you through the exodus. I will take you through a place where you will wrestle with me. Yes, you will need to wrestle with me to get Egypt out of you. But if you follow me through all the way to the promised land, you will receive deliverance and an inheritance that surpasses everything and anything that this world can offer you. I see this is the freedom he offers. It is the choice he offers everyone a free gift of salvation that costs us our life you see it's free but it costs you your life it means that yes now you come to him you see you you understand that the lamb was given for you you understand that blood was spilled for you and because the blood was spilt now you will give your life in return You will come to Father God. You will say, Lord, you have shed your blood for me. Jesus, Yeshua, you have shed your blood. You have shed your blood for me. And so I will come and I will give my life for you. You see, the Father desires our everything. And what God then commands Israel to do next is he tells them, to take the meat from after roasting it with fire of the lamb and they are to consume it in that night to eat it he actually says in exodus 12 verse 8 they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it of course we know that yeshua jesus he came to us he said eat of me if you eat and drink of me you will never go hungry again and that is what he what it is referring to the lamb when we eat and partake in that lamb as they did it is a picture of partaking eating of him and you see he actually goes on to say that we are to eat it in haste he says do not leave of it until morning and if there is anything left until morning you should burn it with fire And this is how you eat it. Your loins girded, the sandals on your feet, the staff in your hand. And you should eat it in haste. It is the Pesach of Yahweh. You see, and it's a peculiar instruction because he's like, you are to eat this in haste. The staff in your hands, loins girded, sandals on your feet, in haste. And it's it's interesting. Why does he say this? You see, he actually says, and if there's any meat left in the morning, you are to burn it. You you can't leave anything until the next morning. You can't leave. It's the same reason that why Yeshua was taken off the cross. You see, before the Sabbath came, they took him off the cross. 
because we are to eat all of him. We can't leave of him for tomorrow. We can't say, oh, God, we want to follow you a little bit. Oh, Yeshua, I'll have a little piece of you, but I don't want it all. You see, it's, it's not we don't have a choice. It's all or nothing. Gather or scatter everything. Or God says, if you're lukewarm, if you're doing this thing halfway, if you're trying to be act like you're a Christian, if you're trying to like just do things, religious things to, to look right or to convince yourself that you've got some relationship with God, when in fact you don't have anything. God says, I can see right through that. And you will not leave me until tomorrow. You will either consume me today. Or you won't consume me at all. For the lukewarm, I will vomit out of my mouth, is what he said. And then he goes on and he says that this meat, this flesh, we are to eat with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. So the reason for this, the unleavened leavened bread, leavened bread represents pride. It represents sin. It's the puffed upness, like Yeshua, when he, Jesus, he said, the Pharisees, the puffed upness of them, they're puffed up in knowledge. He talked about how prideful they were. And that the leaven of the Pharisees, it's that, it's the pride that we had. And so he's saying, you are to have unleavened bread. In other words, bread that has no leaven, no sin, no pride in it. So he's saying, if you consume me, if you eat of me, you will not eat of me with your sin. You will repent from your sins. You will call on me to cleanse you. And then you'll follow me. You will turn away from the things of Egypt. You will not continue eating the leaven, the nice food of Egypt. You will turn away from that and follow me. And then he says you are to eat bitter herbs. The bitter herbs represent the slavery, the bitterness that we were in the slavery we were in the the darkness we were in the dark land if you will we were in and so when they ate the bitter herbs and as we eat it today when we celebrate passover it is a reminder of the sin that god saved us from the patience he had for us in that place and see it is so sad because oftentimes when we look at this day and age when we look around we often see that the feasts of God, much of what I've been speaking about in this video, are t it's tossed aside and it's said that it's not for us, it's for the Jews. Or, oh, it's, it's, not, for, uh, it's not for today anymore, it, it's fulfilled. But see, if you think it's fulfilled and there's no it's not applicable to us in any way, it will simply leave you unprepared for the things to come. Because see, celebrating the festival of Passover even though it has been fulfilled in many ways, is a memorial and a reminder of what, how God saved us from Egypt. Because if God never saved Israel from Egypt, there would be no Christianity. There would be no, no one following God. You see, because of His mercy and grace, even when we were sinners, even in our Egypts today, our personal Egypts, you know, God saved us from that. And Passover is a celebration of the salvation that He has brought us from that. Furthermore, we also celebrate what Yeshua did for us. We celebrate him as the Passover, the perfect sacrifice. He is the only sacrifice. There is no other, the blood of bulls and goats could have never been able to take away any sin. It has always been about him. But so see, God actually goes on in Exodus 12 and he talks about the fact 
that how people will forget about this. He knows. God knew that people will try and teach that his, his feasts. It's not the Jewish feasts, by the way. His feasts, he calls it. These are my feasts, is what he said. He knew that people would come and, and teach that his feasts are abolished or no longer applicable. And that is why he said the following. And this day shall become to you a remembrance and you shall celebrate it as a festival to Yahweh throughout your generations. Celebrate it as a festival and everlasting law. Everlasting means forever. It doesn't mean until Jesus comes back. It means eternally. And so God says that you are to celebrate this as a festival forever. All your generations. So you don't forget what I have done for you. And as I mentioned in the beginning of this video. The very thing that God, the whole point of them leaving Egypt, the, the, what God told Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to lead these people out of Egypt so that you can come celebrate this festival unto me. And so see the first step for us, if we want to get out of Egypt, if we want to leave the dark lands that we're in, is to come and say, God, I want to celebrate a feast unto you. You see, it starts with the festivals because in the celebration of the festivals everyone else many who even say they believe will go one way but we will go another on this day and on his calendar when the day of passover arrives we will celebrate the feast of unleavened bread and passover while the rest of the world will shun it and say it's abolished shun it and say we don't do that anymore shun it and say that is ridiculous well we will say god this is your day thank you for this day and see in that there is a remnant that is created there is a set apart a holy people of god you see the first step of being different from the world is start is starting to in is when we start inheriting the days of our father the calendar that he has set apart from uh, for us and instead of just holding on to the calendar that calendar that this world has given us you see god is on a different calendar and when we start following his calendar and his feast days on his calendar then we can start following him and the patterns that he has laid out for us for the future. Because every festival is like markers on a calendar, on a timeline, so we can prophetically understand where we are on the timeline. Because brothers and sisters, when disaster hits, when things go really wrong, when we are persecuted, when they start killing believers, when the great tribulation hits, there's not going to be much education going around anymore. The time to prepare is today. There's not going to be an internet to Google, probably. There's not going to be this or that. We need to prepare this day so we will be prepared for tomorrow. God goes on in Exodus 12 and he also tells us to don't think that this is just for the Jews or don't think that this is just for some kind. Don't think this is just for those who are native born Israelites. You know, in fact, like I mentioned, the Egyptians were very welcome to put the blood on their doorpost. And many of them did. And they also left with Israel. And there was a mixed multitude in the Exodus. Both those of the bloodline Israelite tribes and those who weren't. 
those who were maybe pagans or Egyptians, but they want, they saw this majestic God of Israel and they decided they want to follow him instead. And God said the following, he said, Exodus 12 verse 49, there is one Torah for the native born and for the stranger who sojourns among you. You see, he is saying there is one law for everyone. Uh, he says, I'm not going to make a law for a Jew and a law for a Gentile and a law for the. No, there is one law for the stranger and the native born. Everyone under the same. I mean, it wouldn't make sense any other way, would it? We know that in 1 John 3 verse 4, we read that sin is the transgression of Torah, of the law. And so when we think about it, it wouldn't make sense for God to be like, well, uh, I consider this a sin to a Jew and I consider something else a sin to a Gentile. No, sin is sin. What is evil remains evil. What is good remains good. There cannot be something, one thing evil to one person and not evil to another. And so we must follow the instructions he has given us. And we can't make excuses of saying, oh, well, that's not for me. Oh, well, that's for someone else. Unless that is for a priest or unless that is for a female and you're a male. The law is for you and it's there to bring you freedom. It's there to bring you in to his kingdom to help you to walk more as Yeshua. He comes and he actually writes this very law in our hearts when he fills us with his spirit and changes us from the inside out. And he allows us to look more like him when we when we start following that law in our heart, that law that is also given to us in the Bible. You see, the law written on your heart is simply a mirror of what is in your Bible. And so when we read things in our Bible, our hearts cry out to follow it. And this is different from before the spirit was poured out, because back then in the old covenant, it was much different in that people's natures were in complete opposition to God and they had no desire and to keep it and they actually couldn't keep it at all. Today, God and his new covenant has given us his spirit and he writes his law in our heart and he enables us to keep what he has asked us to do. And so just like one law is given to all of God's people, it also means that there is consequence for all who decide to disobey it. Just like how we read how the, these plagues, God said, these plagues, I'm giving this plague is going to happen to everyone, whether you are Pharaoh's son or whether you are a peasant, a slave or whether you are a, a maid servant or whoever you are. It doesn't matter how rich or poor or who you are. If the blood is not on your door, this plague is entering. You see, he's basically saying if you're not obedient, if you will not follow what I have commanded you to do, because remember, brothers and sisters, putting the blood on the door was a command given to Israel in that time for that. In the same way, we must be obedient to the commands that God has given us. And so if we do not do that, there is always a consequence to breaking his law. There's, there is a consequence to sin for sin is a transgression of the law. So if you murder, there's going to be a great consequence on your life. If you commit adultery, there's going to be consequences on your family. You see, the list goes on. Whatever law you decide to disobey, there will be great consequences for doing so. And so God calls us. He says, I am giving you one law. I'm giving you blessing and curse, life and death. Blessing if you are obedient. Curse if you are not. Choose life. 
so that things may go well with you. Because see, his instructions were given because he is wise and he knows everything better than we do. And he understands that if we are obedient to what he has called us to do, things will go well with us because it's nature. It's like the instructional manual of life. But if you do not do what his instructions say, the opposite will happen. Things that he wants to protect us from will in fact come upon us. So I ask you today, evaluate your life. Look at where are you obedient? Even in the little things, are you obedient? And in the big things, are you obedient? What is in your heart? What is going on? Is there things that you've been trying to fool yourself with, with saying, oh, I'll fix that later. I'll have the rest of Yeshua later. I'll eat the rest of him later. Or are you going to today going to do with it? Are you going to go and say, God, I have these things and I don't know how to deal with them, but I know you can. But the first step, Lord, is I'm going to come give my heart to you. Everything I want, all of you, Yeshua, I want to eat all of you in haste. I don't want to leave you till tomorrow. I don't want to leave this thing till tomorrow. I don't want to have the leaven with you, the sin, the pride with you. I don't want the bitterness of my past anymore. I don't want the bitter herbs of my past anymore, the slavery I was in. I want to be free. I want the promised land and I want you. You see, when you do that, and you pray that prayer, God will come in his mercy and envelop you. He will show you the truth and he will teach you his ways. If you allow him to. But see, oftentimes we don't allow him to because we rather lift the teachings of men and doctrines of men and other things because it pleases our flesh more above the commandments of God. Go to him. Throw out all. Forget about denominations. Forget about man-made teachings. Forget about what your church and pastor says. Go to him and say, Father, show me what is on my face. Show me what is there that I can't see so I can be more like you. Give me a mirror, oh God, so I can see myself in the way you see me. I ask you to do that because that will allow you to look like his image. You see, sometimes we just overcomplicate this thing of how do we walk more like him? How do we how how can I make, be, be, become more like Yeshua, like Jesus? And what if I told you, brother and sister, it's as simple as a prayer. Will you follow along with me in this prayer? Do you have boldness to do this? Are you ready? Are you are you going to are you today going to decide? I mean, it's, it's about time to decide. That I want to follow you, God, and I am tired of holding back. God, I am tired of being afraid. God, I'm tired of being a slave. God, I am tired of excuses. Is that you? Because that's me. Come on, follow along with me. Let's lift this up to Father. God, we come to you. Yahweh, oh, we come to you, Father, and we ask, Lord, come. With a storm. Oh God, come with a storm in our life. Come and shake things up. Show us what is wrong. God, show us the depths of our hearts because our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Show us what is inside our hearts so we can be made more like you. Lord, show us the mud on our face. 
Show us, oh God, if we believe lies, if we have inherited lies that we don't even know about. Show us, Lord, because we are tired of excuses. We're tired of simply pleasing our flesh at the cost of serving you. God, we want to serve you with all we have, and we don't want to compromise in any way anymore. So, Father, that means that you show us where we need to be made humble. Show us where we need to get rid of the leaven of the Pharisees. Show us where we need to where we have pride. Show us where we are deceived. Show us where we have passed judgment on others where they did not deserve it. Show us where we have judged past false judgment on others and bear false witness on others people who are your servants i believe that's definitely something that we uh, that the, the father is just putting in my heart as there are many who are who are passing judgment on others who are actually servants of god and those god has actually highly exalted but in others who believe that they are following god and doing things for god just like the pharisees they believe they're doing things for god they believe they're following god but they put yeshua on the cross many of us do the same we put people on the cross who god has actually called and I ask you today to come to God and say, Father, is there anyone that I have done that to? Is there any leader, any teacher or any prophet or anyone who you have called whom I have tried to tear down and try to and in that consequence and, and as a consequence come against your kingdom? We need it all out, brothers and sisters, today. Today is the day to get rid of it all. We need to come to God clean and say, Father, you need to reveal the things we don't want to see. Because brothers and sisters, when we do that, he will come through with that. He will show you. And when he does, what will you do? Will you shove it aside? Will you say, okay, God, maybe tomorrow I'll deal with that. Or will you come and say, Father, thank you. I will get rid of this leaven to be made more like you. I ask you to make that decision today. May God bless you and keep you. Shine his face upon you and love his countenance upon you. Give you shalom, grace, and mercy. I'll see you guys next video. Shalom.